Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast. My name is Michael. And I'm Ben. And we are your armchair S. Take a seat and join us. All right then, Mike. How's your week been? It's been a good week. It's been a very busy week. Thanks, Ben. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, my personal life meant that I was distracted from the TV. I meant, Oof. you know, I had to actually do some some medical uh, student stuff. Uh, but I didn't, you know, it didn't stop me from sneaking my phone out whilst I was on placement just to catch up on a few scores every now and again. Uh, but yeah, it was a good week. Thanks. Hey, were you just like unplugging life support machines for phone chargers? Is that that kind of vibe? (laughs) There are more important things here. (laughs) Uh, Just so the GMC might be listening, that did not happen. I was professional the entire time. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to say any quotes, but uh, I've I've heard the rumors. But how how was your weekend? Yeah, my weekend was good. Also, I had the kind of personal life stuff on. So, friend's 25th birthday, we um, we went oh. out in London, which was interesting with the train strikes, so like driving down to his and getting the bus in and stuff. But um, yeah, bot- bottomless brunch. And I'm just saying, of the eight of us, three of the others were pretty ill during bottomless brunch. So, no it was a heavy way. start and we just powered through like how much alcohol do you reckon you got through during your bottomless brunch? I just I feel it was like being back at uni. It was good fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> nice political way to avoid the question. <laughs> we were embarrassing ourselves, but I don't live there, so it's not my problem. <laughs> Did the damage and left. <laughs> Did the damage and left. Nothing there was no damage to his property. So it's it's yeah, everyone else's problem. Yeah, unreal. Wow. So did you, your friend have a good time celebrating his 25th then? Yeah, I think so. I think he um he seemed to enjoy it, so can't go wrong with it, really. Unreal. Unreal. Mm-hmm. So Saturday's rugby was, you know, not wild for me. But but how about yourself? Did you get watch much of the rugby this weekend? Yeah, so I mean, I only managed to catch like kind of the, the end of the games um, just because of how life kind of panned out. But um and yeah again i didn't even manage to catch the the midweek games because the uruguay and the maybe game was such an early kickoff you know is it quarter to five um so i only managed to catch like the final like 10 15 minutes but it seemed to be you know quite a heavy game for the you know the bottom of the pool a teams yeah it was a cracking game to be fair i um if my boss is listening, I did make up that 15 minutes that I finished early to watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, going in, especially with how Uruguay have played against France, um, it was a bit like, oh, I think they might dominate here. But straight mm. off the bat, Namibia scoring a try under the post intercept. It was like, oh, they've really come to play. And mm. it was a cracking game. I We were betting on Namibia to win it. And I really thought it might happen, but no, it turns out not to be. They, they got let down in the second half. Yeah, that is a shame. I know there were there were a couple of moments of poor discipline from the from the Mibiums. You know, they had a, the yellows and a couple of reds, which just kind of put them out of the game. It's always so hard to claw your way back from going 14, you know, 13 men down on the pitch. So 
we we got you got to credit Uruguay there to capitalize on you know the the ill discipline from Namibia. Yeah, it's true. They made the most of the opportunities, which is pretty good. But I guess going to that poor discipline, right? Obviously, we don't want to see it. World Rugby doesn't want to see it. Stamp out the game. But we've also said, you know, in the warm up games, England particularly, they looked tired and they were getting a few reds in the warm ups. Yes. And Namibia have played all of their group games within 18 days. Like, can you imagine trying to like get down for a tackle after your body's that tired? Like, there's no forgiving it, but at the same time, World Rugby haven't really given them a chance there. Absolutely, and if you consider like their squad depth and the the quality of their depth compared to like the tier one teams and you know those with much bigger budgets than they they have, then yeah, you're just always gonna have those you know these kind of issues with when it comes to rotating teams in such a short period, you're going to have to play guys regularly because you don't have any other option. And that's not even including any injuries that might've happened within that time. So uh, I I almost feel, I would love to know the thought process from world rugby in terms of the planning, because Namibia is the only team that this schedule has kind of, you know, not done any favors for. So, why is it only Namibia that's kind of like there surely could have been one or two games switched to allow them to have a bigger break. Um, but if we're being honest, would it have made that much of a difference to their overall World Cup campaign? Well, probably not. It's just you just more think like the red, reds and yellows at the end because it's going to affect them going back to their clubs now and things. Yeah, okay. But to be fair, World Rugby lengthened the, the pool stages. They added that extra week on, right? Yeah. Um, To avoid this kind of thing. But Namibia actually had two less days than they did in the last World Cup, Um, spread over a shorter time. So, yeah. It, just... it is rigged, isn't it? I know. I reckon World Rugby, I know the schedule came out way before we did our podcast, but I reckon they heard us pick Namibia to get their first win and World Rugby were like, nah, that ain't happening. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just quickly want to touch on the subject because we've highlighted it before, the the red cards, the yellow cards, the head contact. It's been a talking point of the World Cup and I don't want to talk about it too much. However, I do want to go on record and say that World Rugby have been super inconsistent with what's a red and what's a yellow. Mm. And I fully believe that every yellow card that we have seen, I reckon about 90% of them would have been a red if it's not during the World Cup. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I think the World Rugby know that they can't have the same amount of red cards as they would normally because of just how much a how frequently they're happening and players aren't seem to be learning from them that much but also it doesn't seem to they they have like really clear rules on mitigation what's a rugby incident what's not and they just know that if they have all these red cards that they would then have to have these bands and then just tackle school come into play etc etc it would just ruin the spectacle yeah, I'm with you. And I'm so torn on it. Like, part of me wants to just be like, look, if it's a red, it's a red. Like, get them off, you know, make that decision and, and stick with it. But at the same time, you don't want 
games decided by red cards. Like for for a fan, it it's not good to watch. So it's a really hard one to balance. But I don't know. I just think they need to. I almost feel like you need that orange card that people have spoken about before, where the player's off for twenty, and then you bring someone else on because mm-hmm. you can keep the games competitive by having. 15 players on the pitch you can get kind of that player who's done wrong can have like longer bands or whatever so they get punished yeah and then you save the red for just like intentional malice which is kind of what it was for originally yeah i think it's always really tough to do that i honestly i agree with you i think that would keep the the spectacle and you know keep the games quite uh, you know, high energy, very competitive for the full 80. Well, not for the full 80, but for the majority of that full 80. I think even though you're, what you're proposing would, you know, have somebody, the player still get punished. I don't think that system punishes teams enough that it tries to kind of correct incorrect behavior, if that makes sense. So I feel like, you know, it's only 20 minutes, you know, it's only a half. So say if it's like from the first whistle, you go 20 minutes for 14 rather than 80. And then, you know, someone with fresh legs can come on and play 60. So it's not ideal, but I don't think it's, yeah, it it doesn't seem as punishing as it should be. Yeah, I, I think realistically, you want to punish the team to a degree, in my opinion. So like that, that's why I get the 20 minutes, but the players done wrong and if you can discourage the players from doing it by like longer bands like you know maybe even like financial penalties and stuff then mm-hmm. they're going to be less likely to do it anyway um because realistically all all we really want is a safer game uh, and yeah. a competitive game so i guess that's kind of where i'm coming from yeah, I get you. I get you. And another interesting conversation we had around this topic, you know, me and my housemate, um, I don't know if it's just because it's in the news and we're talking about it quite a lot, but I don't remember like games, say like in 2019 World Cup or even before that, having this many head collisions. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, for example, uh, you know, if I, if I say to you, like, how many red cars did you see on your way to work? Right, you would you probably say like zero or something. But then, mm-hmm. if I told you to count how many red cars you saw going into work, you would see a huge number of red cards because you'd yeah. be looking out for them. Yeah, either that or I'd have a car crash. That's the only yeah. Two or, yeah. <laughs> or you work from home, and then that point is completely redundant. <laughs> um, but you're, do you know what I mean? I feel like there's been so much highlight on it that. You know, even in the the smallest of margins now, like any head contact is blown out of proportion because it's all anybody can focus on nowadays. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot kind of, especially with ex players from kind of 2003 World Cup to pretty high profile coming out with the head injuries now, and yeah, 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 and like other sports have been through it as well, like NFL and the concussions and stuff, and mm. you just got to sort sort it out which is why we need to clamp down but yeah I, I, I don't know if it's just not been happening before or people have just been less bothered yeah no i agree i agree with that point anyway that's enough about that i don't want to bog too much down on that topic uh what game do you want to head to next we've got to talk about the absolute 
drubbing that Italy took from New Zealand. What a shocking game that was. I'm actually really glad I didn't watch the full game. I think <laughs> it just it just wouldn't have been pleasant to watch. Wait, I actually feel stupid because I was like, maybe Italy can do it. I was like, <laughs> I just had this little bit of belief in me. And watching that game, oh, and I think the most disappointing part of it is that Italy just didn't turn up. Like New Zealand mm-hmm. were good. They were very good. But, like, that's not what we've seen from Italy in the Six Nations. Um, I, t- I just don't know where, where it went wrong for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, neither, neither do I, to be honest. I think there would have been belief in that Italian changing room beforehand. And I think I remember uh, Italy and New Zealand played each other. Uh, I can't remember. It must have been recently uh like since the like in between the last world cup and i remember michael lamaro the captain his like pre-game speech was all about respect like before they went up against the 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 all blacks and how they need to earn respect and they need to do that by doing the right things and you know putting out big hits and not rolling over that type of thing and I don't know what he must have said before this game because clearly he must have been speaking in a foreign language. Because hey, quite literally, he was. I just want to point that out. <laughs> but oh my goodness, I, I almost think that Italy probably would have gone into that thinking, you know, we need to have a really good start. If we win the first like five, 10 minutes, maybe not like in points, but winning the collisions, big hits, turnovers, putting pressure, then they'll like, only gain from that. But I think New Zealand were just too hot out of the gates and then Italy just lost their heads. New Zealand were so good. And some of their players that came back made a huge difference. Like we kind of mm-hmm. spoke about their injuries and Jordi Barrett at 12 was ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Oh. And he, he's he's also really talented in the sense that he's not your like characteristic 12 anymore. Because, you know, if you compare like him to Delande from South Africa or Bundy Aki, who's more of that ball-carrying, dominant collisions, get you over the game line type 12. And don't get me wrong, Jordy Barrett can do that, but he's more of your your distributor, almost kind of what Farrell was like in the Ford-Farrell 10-12 mm-hmm. axis for England a couple of years ago. Yeah, but with more heft. Like, Jordy, <laughs> Jordy's got something behind him. He's <laughs> he does, he does. Yeah, like his kick for that first try was just like on the money and it was just pure class. And it's just maybe another dimension that New Zealand needed to their attack to kind of take them into that next gear. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I also think it was a good performance from New Zealand in the sense to announce themselves to the rest of the world rugby to say, hey, look, we are still here. We, we're not out of this competition yet. And... I also think that it just, again, highlights. I really do think that New Zealand have been the most efficient team within an opponent's 22 for the past, like, 10, 12 years. They are just absolutely ruthless. And, like, you compare, like, these score lines. So we think back to how France beat Namibia, and it was 94-0 or something Mm. like that. But that was against Namibia. And New Zealand put up a bigger scoreline against Italy. And Italy don't get beaten this poorly in the Six Nations. So no. for New Zealand to do that, 
just shows the caliber of their attack. Yeah, that's so true. It's going to make it exciting, you know, when they get into the late stage of the competition because people were not talking about them, but mm-hmm. with a result like that is hard not to. But I feel like they will only get talked about if they win their quarterfinal. Which is a huge ask. That's almost like the caveat because, yeah, you could argue that if they get, obviously for their eyes, anything but the win of the entire World Cup is going to be a failure. But I think no one's going to take them seriously because realistically, they're most likely going to come against Ireland. So I think if they beat Ireland, then everyone's going to be like, oh, shoot. I, you know, Mm. the All Blacks are actually here to play. Whereas if they don't, if they lose to Ireland in the quarterfinals, then they're just going to be like, eh, we kind of knew that. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. Who who does beat Ireland? It's it's not it's not something that happens often. <laughs> See, I know that's like a subtle dig against South Africa, but I would also like to gently remind you that you also lost to them in the Six Nations this year. <laughs> yeah, but no one has expected us to beat him. That was all the hype around you guys. <laughs> oh dear. Um yeah, so I think another another game we should quickly mention. We're kind of just hopping all over the weekend, to be honest. But Scotland Romania, um, I think that's where I want to go to next. It was an absolute masterclass from Darcy Graham, like he, oh. which I'm actually really glad to see because he was in your fantasy team. He wasn't my fantasy <laughs> team. He was my captain, <laughs> but he was also just. There's been a lot of hype around Duan van der Merwe lately. And, you know, Carl Staines had some solid outings. But Darcy Graham's just had a recent run of injury that just means he's not been on the pitch as much as of late. So for him, I was really glad that he could, you know, regain that status of being a world-class winger. Yeah, exactly. And he is only just behind Stuart Hogg in most tries scored for Scotland now. Like He's only one try behind tying the record. He doesn't get the same hype that Van der Merwe does, which yeah. I think is criminal because he he's so good. What has this weekend proved? Four tries. It's ridiculous. It, it's really impressive to think that. So if we compare the, you know, the scores, so Ireland beat Romania 82-8, and that was with a full-strength Ireland team. South Africa only beat Romania 70 70- Six nil, and that was with a not full strength team, but you know Scotland had the biggest points difference against Romania, and they didn't even have their full strength team. So I, we also have to consider the context, and Romania have had some key injuries in their camp lately, mm-hmm. which means that they haven't been able to play their full team out, and it is the you know coming towards the end of their campaign. But Scotland did a phenomenal job in attack to to win how they did. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also, you you do kind of have to consider the emotional beating that Romania have taken this tournament. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Scotland were going to score points because they're, they're, they're a shell of a team right now. It has been a horrible tournament for them. Yeah, it, re- it really has. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what I would say as a head coach. I really don't. Like, I, I don't know how you can... You know, he must be able to be very good. And they they must just try and take positives from it and just win, like, key moments. But, yeah, tough. Really, really tough. And I, I also think something that's reassuring for Scotland is that 
they also weren't that great and they still managed to pick up 84-0. You know, like Batty, their prop, the loose head prop, he dropped the ball on the try line twice in that game. And there were so many handling errors. Yeah, the quality of the game doesn't match up to the scoreline. And I think that's, as that might seem as much as a dig, Scotland get much better if they, you know, tidy up their handling errors and can, you know, maybe compete against Ireland this weekend. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know you're in Scotland, so you have to kind of like keep this air of possibility to stop you from, I don't know, being bullied. But they're not beating Ireland this weekend. It's just not happening. I'm a believer. I'm an, I'm an optimist. And I would just, it's sport at the end of the day and anything can happen. Anything can happen. I, I know it's possible, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's the kind of team that Scotland struggle against, like that power game, um, mm, which we've spoken about before. So, you know, I think I'd probably give them higher chances against like, France or New Zealand, um, who are also like unbelievable teams, top top four. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just think the style that Ireland and South Africa play, like it's just not happening. I think to counter that point, you know, Ireland have they had the rest weekend this week, the, this past weekend, but they haven't rotated their squad at all, right? So where does their fatigue set in or when does it set in should be a better question. Does it come in now? And that means, you know, it's more, they're more ripe for Scotland to take their chance and to actually beat them. Or if it doesn't and they have, and you know, Ireland go full strength again this weekend, does that mean that come knockouts, Ireland's fatigue set in because inevitably it will eventually. Yeah. I do. I think, I think that's maybe a little bit overhyped, partly because the tournament's been extended. They've just come off their rest week, so they're going to be hot. But also, most of the Ireland team plays for Leinster, right? Mm-hmm. Who, throughout the season, are so good at rotating their players. So, like, if you think about the amount of rugby that Ireland teams had in the last year, it doesn't compare to players that play in the Premiership or in the top 14 in France. So... While, like, in this short burst, they've played a lot. Like, I don't think they've got those ongoing niggles from over the season that that might kind of take effect. I'm, I'm backing them. I hear your point. I, I disagree with your point, but, but <laughs> I hear it nonetheless. <laughs> Just to kind of put some, you know, more context. Last week, we always talked about the permutations of what could happen. And the only one that's relevant for me as a South Africa fan, so the only way for South Africa to be eliminated this weekend is Scotland need to score at least 41 points against Ireland. So the only way that South Africa get eliminated is if Scotland get five points, as in so they win plus get a bonus point, and Ireland also get a bonus point. So that that also means that there's a points difference of... 21 because that means that uh yeah scotland and south africa would both be on 15 points and it would actually go down to the points difference between them uh to as to who would go through in the second spot so you're saying south africa is safe 
I'm saying, I'm saying that there is a possibility for South Africa to be eliminated. But to put it into context, so the number, so like I said, Scotland need to score 41 points against Ireland. So the number of times since 2020 that a team has scored more than 25 against Ireland is one. Oh, you've done your research. And who was that one? I think it was actually Japan, you know. Oh, it was Japan in like, um, I think at the score, I was like 36, 31. It was my research, but I got a shout out Rugby AP on Twitter. He was the one that tweeted that. And to further that, um, at Rugby Kino on Twitter, he said, off the back of this, I've looked for games where Scotland conceded more than 20, but still won with a difference of 21 or more, which is what they need to do today, uh, this weekend, mm. for South Africa to be eliminated. In the last 10 years, it happened v Argentina away in 2022 and mm. Australia in November 2017. So out of 233 games, it's happened twice. Yeah. Yeah, which is you. <laughs> but, but we're saying this. There's also a way that Scotland and South Africa can qualify. Like, Scotland aren't just chasing all these points. Like, if they win with a bonus point, they're through. As long as they get, do they have to get more than, yeah, just win with a bonus point, they're through. Yeah. Or well, they would just have to deny Ireland getting any type of bonus point. Yeah, yeah. So they got to win by eight. Yeah. Which is way more doable. I mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to dream. I'm I'm gonna be in a pub. I'm gonna be singing a flower of Scotland, surrounded by my fellow Scots, and until the first minute of the game, I'm gonna believe. After the first minute, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> All right. Most important question: Are you wearing pants under your kilt? I don't have a kilt, oh. so so you're just going without pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think I am qualified enough to wear to have my own kilt. Mm. Um, but we'll have to see what happens. I could be persuaded. Nice, I like it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what games you want? What game do you want to talk about next? Hey, let's keep hopping. Let's make sure it's just completely unfollowable because yeah, love that's it. gonna let's gonna grow our following. Let's go back to Japan and Samoa on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, which well. Context-wise, it was a huge game because both of these teams needed a win to kind of have a shot at getting to the next stages. But also, yeah. like with Argentina, England, and these two teams, they really need to get that third-place spot to qualify for the next World Cup as well. Absolutely. So, to be honest, Japan came out the blocks flying. Like, they looked ridiculous almost for the whole game. And Michael Leach you know, absolute stalwart about, mate, he's like 38 years old. I didn't realise he was that old. Yeah, I did not look it. He, I actually don't remember like a Japanese team without him in. He's just mm. been there around for absolutely ages. Yeah, he was everywhere. But kind of the last 20, Samoa started coming really back into it. Um, mm-hmm. Scored a couple of tries and, and it was close in the end with like 28-22 scoreline. But... um. I mean, if we're talking about good players from Samoa, Theo McFarland, who plays for Saracens in the Premiership, he was ridiculous. There was like an injury right at the start, so we moved from second row to back row. 
when they got a red card near the end, he's playing on the wing and like mm-hmm. everywhere he's like taking carries, making meters, line outs. Like he's just got it all. He's a freak athlete and like just mm-hmm. so intelligent as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not too much of a surprise to me that that Theo McFarlane has been standing out this World Cup, not just in that in this game, but in the previous games that Samoa's had as well. Um, I think where Samoa kind of failing is, and I think this goes for the other teams, like for example, like Tonga, where they've had a lot of, you know, the new eligibility rules have allowed previous tier one nation players to come play for them i think you know where you compare them to the likes of japan and fiji where they've now developed systems that have allowed them to home grow their talent and allowed them to you know carry on building you know throughout the years rather than relying on old players to come in and if they don't perform because let's be honest like we think about like fekatoa uh pietau and um, Lima Sopoanga, all these guys that have you know, you know, taken advantage of eligibility, they're past their primes. They're not playing for those tier one nations anymore. And I think, yeah, I just think that it's like Samoa are gonna and Tonga are in these leagues above the likes of the more emerging nations like Portugal and. Romania, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just because they can rely on that talent, but then to take them to the next level, I just think they're lacking that supporting structure. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. I think almost the other part of it is is the amount of games they've played. Like throughout the World Cup, I've seen stats about Japan in particular, like Samoa, um, and like they've just played ridiculously low amounts of games over the last four years which I know COVID had like a big part of, but, you know, these players who A, haven't been part of the system and then B, kind of getting new players up to scratch in the internationals, like they've not had time to gel as a team, get their stuff going. So, you know, hopefully they can get some more games for the next World Cup because you really do think some of these teams can, you know, upset and do some do some magic. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would really like to think that, you know, we kind of think about how it seems like so long ago now, but how big an effect COVID had on world rugby fixtures. And, you know, because it just wasn't sustainable for really like nations to play outside of the six nations to have like international games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, we pray that we don't have another pandemic in the next four years between now and Australia in 27 but hopefully, yeah, a more more opportunity. Yeah, hopefully, we just get more opportunities for teams to play regularly throughout the four years to build towards the World Cup would be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, unreal. But Mike, what 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 other game you want to talk about? It wouldn't be an armchair ref podcast if we didn't talk about South Africa. So I think we'll quickly go on to them. It was it was a it was a result that you didn't really surprise anybody. I think everyone knew that South Africa were going to win. They need to get a bonus point win, and that's what they did. They probably didn't put enough points on the board as they would have kind of hoping for. I think a bigger points difference probably would have eliminated any desire that uh, Scotland were going to go through. Um, but the, yeah, the score for that game was forty nine eighteen to South Africa and. 
it just seemed that I wasn't able to watch it. I was, yeah, I was busy, but it seemed like from my sources, my reliable sources, that South Africa started off a bit sloppy in the first 20 minutes and Mm. was really clicking. And then we kind of started to find our rhythm. And we did have the bounce of a ball go our way, like for Kane and Moody's try, bouncing off Vincent Cox's shoulder. And actually, that just reminds me, huge, huge shout out to Vincent Cox. Because that is his first starting cap for the Springboks. No. I think it's 28 caps and all of them have been off the bench because he's been part of the bomb squad. So a massive congratulations to him for getting to start. Mad. Mr. Incredible. He does look like him. He looks just like him. It is freakishly weird how similar he looks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, what did you make of that game, Ben? Do you know what? I thought Tonga looked quite good in the first half. Um, and like they kept trying the whole game. Like when, when Ben Tumafuna, what a shift he's put in as well. Oh, like he's a unit. What, yeah, heaviest player in the competition. He's been playing some minutes as well. So captain, he's been called lazy before. Fair play. He got his try, he showed him wrong. But yeah. Yeah, it was it was kind of almost inevitable. Um the big stuff was kind of Pollard being back and he slotted his kicks, which which basically means he's a starting term South Africa now because yeah. nobody else can do it. Um, but in fact, the biggest note I've written down from when I was watching this game was um, I was watching it with my girlfriend. She turned to me and she went, is it odd that I find the ref a bit sexy? It's Luke <laughs> Pierce. So shout out Lou Pierce. <laughs> then she just went, he's so authoritative. <laughs> so yeah, Lou oh, Pierce, dear. don't hit up my girlfriend because she will leave me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I feel bad for you. Um, <laughs> but Luke Pierce isn't it? He's probably my favorite ref in the game right now. I think mm. he. He's absolutely excellent. He refed the game very well, I heard. Um, managed the Etzebeth and the Mapimpi incident really well and kind of, you know, deemed... Well, he was very open to listening to his TMO, which I think is excellent use of the TMO, and to kind of deem what was a yellow card or not and what was a rugby incident. So, you yeah, know, I'm very glad about that. Um, Pollard was perfect off the tee. And he was, you know, doing exactly the job he was kind of brought in to do. I'd also like to reiterate that when Manny Libot came off the bench, he was also perfect off the tee. Maybe it's exactly like I said, and maybe Pollard is going to be the perfect kicking consultant for Manny. And maybe we still rock with Manny. Because the thing is, Pollard isn't going to play 80 minutes of Test Rugby. And I, I don't know if I think he will... Bef- like if we get to the final, I don't think he will. Yeah, and and the problem with well, it's not a problem. The problem with kind of now you've got the two tens is is your bench as well. It, you can't have one of the tens on the bench and do your six two. Well, well, unless yeah, frankly you can because you guys love a seven one. I just don't think you would in the World Cup final. No, we won't go seven one. We won't go seven one. We we could still go six two. We still could. But like, because neither player plays another position. It's not like New Zealand with Damian McKenzie, he could cover fullback. Um, yeah. Or 
I can't even think off the top of my head. I had Marcus Smith for England, who can also play football. Oh, that's a uh, terrible example. So good. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I understand. But, like, for example, like, I thought Willie LaRue in that game didn't look very good. And so that now really cements Damien Vilmes uh, as the starting fullback. So I think we have enough flexibility in the lineup where you could have, say, Grant Williams as number 22, who can cover nine and wing, and then have Manny Libok as your 23. So he could be the direct replacement for Pollard. And then you've got enough players to kind of shift around to, to make... Yeah, to make it work. Yeah, I think the thing with having Willem at 15 is he can move to 12 and 10. So yeah. he would mean you don't need a 10 on the bench. I I wouldn't want him to go at 10. He's he's so much better at 12 or 15. I just, I don't think, we've now got Pollard and Libok who are out and out 10s. We mm. don't need to put Willem at 10 who is... That is his third position. We just don't need him to go there. Yeah, fair enough. It'll be interesting to find out, that's for sure. <laughs> it will be. The final bit of drama that kind of happened during that game was Makazoli Mapimpi. He got injured very similarly to how Anton Dupont got injured. You know, he's had a blowout fracture of his cheekbone. And now it got confirmed today that he is going to be out for the next, for the rest of the World Cup. Basically, he's not is. as hardcore as Dupont. Hang on, hang on. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Only one of the guys is. is you cannot slander my pimpy to me. That guy has gone through too much to deserve that. A great bloke. He does. He, you know, he does not deserve it. But look, there's only one man behind the mask, and that's Dupont. So, Batman. <laughs> God, there's not two Batman. Imagine if like the French doctors just refused to put the plate into him like they did to Dupont. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we we ran out of the metal. <laughs> that was also a shocking accent. <laughs> oh, I thought I had to try. We had the Australian last week. Um, <laughs> but that just means that now he's ruled out. You know, we we have sufficient wing cover with Moody who can play wing and centre. So now they've brought in but can you am, which is huge news. Yeah. I think the big thing is, as, as you've actually noted in our, in our Google professional Google doc, um, mm-hmm. still no hooker. Like still no hooker. I thought you were going to, yeah, I really thought you'd bring in a hooker. if you got another injury? We did predict that. And I think because Dion free got man of the match at the weekend, maybe mm. that just kind of, put in their mind, okay, he can hold his own, so we should be okay. And, yeah, it's really interesting because I think I think our back line has looked really good. I think Jesse Creel, you know, as a 13, has looked phenomenal. And, you know, maybe they'll, yeah, it's, it's again, it's it just kind of throws the the starting lineup around because again, um, I don't know what his fitness is going to be like because he hasn't played, you know, in a while as well. He was also coming off back of another niggle. So Jesse Creel is also one of those players that can play 13 or wing. So yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into the combinations, but I'm excited to see him back because the knee injury that he sustained robbed him of world player of the year, in my opinion. He's a phenomenal 
outside centre. So I'm excited to see him back. Yeah, always exciting. Just just adds those selection problems, which you know are good to have, really. So yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like what we talked about with England, you know, and Steve Borthwick not getting that number eight selection really right when he only picked Billy Vanapola as out and out eight. It's either going to look like a stroke of genius from Rassi and Jacques or it's going to come back to bite them after the tournament if they don't win it. So it's just a, obviously a gamble that they think is worth it. Yeah, and going back to that, Steve Warford, you are a genius because Ben Earl is ridiculous in that eight shirt. So <laughs> thank you, Mike, for admitting that. Are we going with that? <laughs> I did not admit anything. <laughs> Um, right Ben just wrap it up for us our final game of the week that we want to talk about yeah Oz, Oz Portugal which to be fair was a lot closer than the scoreline the scoreline said so Australia beaten 34-14 and um, yeah I was kind of hoping Portugal would do well on this one but the big difference that I saw in this game was Australia really took their chances and Portugal were butchering their chances Mm-hmm. Um, like when Portugal got their yellow card, Australia they scored like tons of points, separated that lead. Um, and then yeah, they were they were kicking well. They they looked like everything they said they were going to look like against Wales. So <laughs> yeah, it was which is gutting because you know Portugal has been one of our best favorite teams to watch this tournament. Um, so we really really hoping for them to get a win, but. Yeah, they just couldn't like well, even when they did get it over the line, they were in touch. So Oh, don't remind me. That's brutal. Yeah, I mean, as much as they didn't get the win, they they still made me proud. I know it means a lot to them that I said that. Uh, but yeah, they were they played the absolute heart out. And there were moments where they made Australia look absolutely terrible. And I would think there are so many moments in that that they can build upon and take a huge positive going into this weekend's matchup. Um, and I really hope that we get to see more of Portugal in the in the future. Yeah, and maybe we need to see them in the Six Nations because they probably would have done better against New Zealand than Italy did. I don't want to call <laughs> them out. I love Italy, but what were they doing? I'm going back to it. Yeah, we've moved on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it does. It just seems to me that, like, I know that there are like, there's a, you know, there are fixtures that go on uh, below this uh, the Six Nations and Georgia just kind of dominate it. But why do we not hear about it? Why is World Rugby not trying to promote those kind of those those events? Anyway, that's a. a a debate for another day. Yeah, we'll get into that and why there is there no promotion relegation because that's outrageous <laughs> in the 21st century. But yeah. Absolutely. As our more dedicated listeners might know, I have developed a new passion for the game of golf and it has to be mentioned. The Ryder Cup was this weekend. We were very excited about it. I was gutted that I was on medical placement for the weekend so it meant that I wasn't able to watch 
like hardly any of it. I actually did wake up super early on Friday morning just to watch like one or two, probably about like 20 minutes of footage. Um, but Europe managed to win the Ryder Cup after absolutely demolishing the US. And it was just, there was so many storylines. We knew that going in and it absolutely delivered in terms of the product it gave the public. And I couldn't be happier to see that the, the Europe won. It was decimation. I, I don't know a lot about golf, but I've seen score lines before and that wasn't even close. It was not. There it wasn't. There was there was a moment on Saturday where they they were coming back, they were gonna claw themselves out of the hole. But yeah, Europe just kind of yeah, just stuck to their guns and managed to pull out the victory. And as I said, uh, in the previous week, how Europe managed to win the Soul Hand Cup. So women won the Soul Hand Cup. The Junior Ryder Cup was also won by the Europeans and the Ryder Cup was won by the Europeans. So it was a clean sweep in three of the competitions. Oof. That is pure dominance. Hey, there's only one continent I want to live on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, we're not part of Europe anymore, are we? <laughs> I'm not going to get into how that's just not geography. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Yeah, we set sail and now England and the Britain are elsewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were just so many storylines in there. And I think I'm not going to go too much into it um, right now, but I think the massive highlight was, so in Friday and Saturday, the way the Ryder Cup works is you play foursomes and then in the afternoon you play a four ball. So foursomes is you're in a pair, and you basically just go alternate shots against the other pair who are also going alternate shots. And whoever gets the best score in that hole will take the, to go one up against that team. Anyway, in the first session, so in the first session of the foursomes, Europe went four nil up and it was, it was absolute dominance and a perfect way to start the Ryder Cup campaign. And then to finish out that game. So going into the four balls in the afternoon where everybody plays their own ball. Um, if you basically tie the match, you both teams get half a point each. And at the end, it was the first time in Ryder Cup history where the US didn't manage to win a single game during the first day. They only managed to halve three of the afternoon games. So you just... And it just meant that all the momentum was in Europe's favour during that first first day, and they just managed to sail on in after that. Well, we'll take it. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the sporting world, I know how excited you are to talk about the NRL Grand Final, Mike. So I'm going to skip that, and we'll come back to it. Um... <laughs> Let's talk about the effect Taylor Swift has had on the NFL because, I, well, you know, Swifties are flocking to it. A lot of them have been laughing at the fact there's a tight end position, but, you know. There's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay, just like overall, is it a yay or a nay? What, the relationship or? Whoa, it's been Bill Belichick approved, so it has to be a yay for the, for the relationship. But just like Taylor Swift and the the publicity and the, everything that's gone around in it, is it a yay or nay? Mate, I think it. I actually think 
for the NFL is it's great. You think about the demographics they're looking at, young people, women, all people that traditionally haven't been watching. Mm-hmm. Like, it's huge. If this is just a publicity stunt, the NFL smashed it. Unbelievable. But if it's not, then it's worked out. But the thing is, they're only watching one game every week. So how many games are you watching a week? I'm watching one, maybe two. I'm watching zero. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, it's big. And to be fair, it was in London this weekend. So it was. Mm, that was that was pretty exciting down at down at Wembley. Um, yeah, we had the Falcons versus the Jags, so um, which was actually a pretty exciting game. Um, yeah, for the Falcons, QB just couldn't get anything going, but mm-hmm. luckily Bijan Robinson, their running back, was phenomenal. So he was picking up picking up pretty much all of their yards, which is great to see for my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> And do you want to also just enlighten the listeners about the the Toy Story, uh, you know, VR that was part of this weekend's game? Oh, yeah, this was ridiculous. Um, so I'm not sure if it's, I'm guessing it was to get kids involved, but the NFL are using, I'm not sure if it's AI or, or what the technology is, but they're showing it on Disney Plus where all of the, all of the players are like cartoon characters and it's in Andy's bedroom from Toy Story. Um, you got like Slinky, it's the chain, uh, the chain crew down the sides. That was pretty cool. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> um, I, 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 can't, I found it so weird seeing those videos, but hey, if people want to watch that, people want to watch that. Yeah, it's, I, I really wonder like the statistics and see how well it actually did. Um, but I just can't see like how it's going to be like more appealing to kids. But I I understand the premise, but it's just like it's still football at the end of the day. Like I don't think it's going to be more appealing to for a kid to watch. But anyway, yeah. So it's I think it's really great that the NFL kind of branch out and come into you know London to host a few games, and those games sell out so quickly that like, it's so popular here. Um, and they also go to Germany now as well. Yeah. So it's this, you, what once was thought is just like an American sport is now no recognised that it's got a global audience and now is actually feeding into that, which is something that world rugby just can't seem to do. So hats off to the NFL for you know, actually having their head screwed on right. Exactly. But I can tell you, Richard, for the grand final, I mentioned it. I can see it in your eyes. Go on, tell us what happened. How did it go? Man, so I was in I was at a medical placement this weekend, like I said, and I was actually with an Australian doctor. And I knew that the game kicked off at half nine. So I didn't really look until it was probably after 11 when I managed to have first look at the score. And I saw the Broncos are winning and I was like, oh no. And I was in the second half already. And then I thought uh, it was probably like half an hour later. I had a spare moment where I was like, okay, like, let me see the final score. What and was the damage? The pan- <laughs> and yeah, I was like, I just need to see what happened at the end. And then I saw that the Panthers had won 26-24 and I could not believe it. And then the Australian doctor was telling me that like all of her like group chats were pinging saying that 
this was like the greatest grand final ever. There was like the best match they've seen. And I just, I was so sad that I missed it. But it was apparent, I watched the highlights and there was 17 minutes to go in the second half and the score was 24-8 to the Broncos. Ezra Mann, the number six, uh, you know, he's kind of like one of the halfbacks for the Brisbane Broncos. He scored a hat-trick in the grand final and they still went on to lose. And it was all down to Nathan Cleary, the captain, the vice, the co-captain, sorry, the Penrith Panthers. He just steered them to absolute glory. To And yeah, that, that is their third consecutive NRL championship, which is so impressive. Ridiculous. Domin- domination, like, oh, yeah. And it's, yeah, it is domination. And what's so good about that team is that uh, it's it's almost been a product of investing into the youth and like into their academy. because so a lot of those players are homegrown, like not bringing anybody in. And also what's more and more impressive is like over the past three years, they've lost their big players or like big uh, players after every time that they've won. So, like, they lost Kurt Catewell after they won the first one. He was, like, a notal one. And then they also lost Matt Burton. They lost Viliami Kickout. They lost Api Korosau, who were these huge names and so instrumental in them winning their previous two. And then they still managed to win a third. Ah, uh, yeah, just absolutely incredible. Well, hopefully next year it's up the wires. I'm coming back. Yeah, I'm the wires, baby. I'm the wires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but so actually, just circling back onto a different type of rugby, the WXV started well, got announced, and I think it'd be really interesting to talk about that. Yeah, I think it's it's huge. It's it's kicking off soon. It's this month, I think. And yeah, they've they've split kind of women's at the top top women's teams into kind of three tiers based on where they come in their own like regional like six nations equivalent kind of and it's yeah it's really exciting because it's it's that global calendar of rugby that's been talked about for the men's game but like yeah. the women have got their act together you know what yeah. i mean they're, they're actually doing it right so i think it'll be really interesting to see how it goes see who wins i'm looking forward to it i i am too and it's it's great to see it's basically everything that the men's game doesn't have, the women's game now does due to this new competition, which I think is fantastic. The women's rugby scene is so, so exciting. We saw how well the 2021 World Cup was in New Zealand and how it was just such a huge hit. So I'm glad that they've now developed product to support women's teams across loads of different countries and they also have different tiers that feed into each other with the promotion and relegation. Like there's yeah. a team from Kazakhstan. They've got some like the lower tier from like the Pacific Islands, from South America. And it just allows them to get promoted and be rewarded for, for great rugby. And yeah, really, really excited about this competition. I'd say like the only thing is I don't want to you know go against what we said about the men's game. I hope there still is the ability for outside of this window for the top tiers of teams to get games against like lower tiered teams just to kind of help bring that standard along. But 
I think mm-hmm. a lot of the regional competitions do have that. I think like the Six Nations in particular is is mostly what I've seen. Quite a big variety and kind of talent across that. So, you know, hopefully the whole game can get better and and maybe in Australia 29, we'll all be laughing at how much better uh, women's rugby is than the men's World Cup. I mean, I would not be surprised. I really wouldn't. And yeah, it, it would be really great to see because there's just so many promising young female rugby athletes. And yeah, it, it'd be really good for them to just grow the sport. Just women's sport already is just on a really good trajectory. Look at how well the Women's Football World Cup did. And yeah, rugby, particularly in England, has been booming. It's booming in New Zealand. So I hope that we can continue to support them on this upward trajectory because it's exactly what they what their poor performances are entitled to. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, check out for kind of your own country because the tiers are being played at different times. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that for the, the top tier containing like England, that's that's kicking off on the 20th of October uh, and it's a 7am England start. But the squad's been announced. It looks quite exciting. A few, few players who I have not really heard of before with a couple of caps and then some of the stalwarts. Um, They've been around a while, like Marley Packer at captain, who's, who's you know, she's edging on 100 caps now. Um, right, so incredible. should be great to watch. Yeah, unreal. So talking about upcoming, um, what, what are we going to watch, Mike? What is there this weekend that you don't want to miss? You know what? I'm going to start with NFL London. We were, mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier, we were fortunate enough that the Falcons and the Jags were, you know, playing uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And again, the Jaguars are playing the Bills this weekend on Sunday at 2.30 our time, GMT, which is super exciting because, yes, NFL games are so long and they normally happen at like 6 our time or 9 or even later than that. So we never really get to watch a full game. And, yeah, so I'm really excited to watch this. And the Jags have got Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne is their quarterback and running back duo and that doesn't mm. even like talk about like Calvin Ridley the wide receiver anyway and they just came off a victory against the Falcons and the Bills just beat Miami who and obviously last week Miami put up that record 70 uh, to 20 uh, against the Broncos so they'll also be coming off this massive hive yeah just crushing the, the Miami yeah, the Miami team so it should be a really epic uh, American football game. Yeah, and if you've not watched it before or you're kind of thinking about watching it and you're not 100% sure, what it's actually really good for is watching whilst you're doing something else because because it is quite stop-start. Like, you can you can pay attention for when it's going on and then switch off and, it, you know, it got me through a lot of revision. Um yeah. <laughs> <unit>. <laughs> Like I only have to pay attention to my work for like two minutes at a time and then I'm back to back to NFL. So yeah, yeah that kind of worked for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's also it's one of those things that the game could go on for about four hours. So you don't need to, you know, pay attention for the whole four hours. You can kind of just dip in and out, which is really good. Yeah, because if something great happens, they're replaying it, so you're not missing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, how about you, Ben? What do you reckon you'll be watching this weekend? 
Well, I mean, I think there's three massive games for deciding who goes through in pools. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, starting in pool A, there's that France v Italy game. And I think if we just look at Italy's performance last week, you've almost got to write them off here. But but they have had some, in the last kind of 10, 15 years, some pretty big upsets against France. So mm-hmm. they have form for it, especially in France. So you never know what's going to happen. If you aren't giving Scotland any chance to beat Ireland, I don't think you can be saying Italy have any chance to beat France. Hey, I'm saying it's more likely. I don't Whoa, live anywhere near Scotland. No so. way. There is so much more of a chance that Scotland beat Ireland. There's there's no way Italy beat France. Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to be in France, so I'm happy to upset a few French people. I don't mind. They can, <laughs> yeah. they can come from Yeah, me. now while yeah. you're on this side of the channel, what would you be saying <laughs> this if you're over there? <laughs> I'll turn up in my Italian shirt. Yeah, so, uh, but you have mentioned it, Mike. That is the next big game, Pool B, Ireland, Scotland. Yeah, uh, yeah, what a huge fixture. There's just, there is so much riding on this. So, this is kicking off on Saturday night. Uh, it is a eight o'clock kickoff. It's probably the main event of the weekend, um, just because there's so much riding on it. And we've already talked about what could happen. Um, what we do know is Scotland is going to leave absolutely everything out there. They will just throw the absolute kitchen sink at Ireland to try and see, you know, try and just keep their World Cup hopes alive. Um, so, yeah, I, if you, in my opinion, if there's any game that you watch, any type of sport, yeah, try and watch this game. Yeah, and I am at the England Samoa game this weekend and it finishes oh. just before and we are going to be rushing out to find somewhere to watch this game because... Yeah, I'm I'm back in Ireland to, to dominate, but you never know. You, yeah, you never know. You never know. Any so are you excited about going to England? Or what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm, I'm always excited. Like the way England have been building, I just want to keep keep seeing that. Because we're mm-hmm. through, you know, Samoa putting up a challenge because they've got to get that's well, they want to get that third place qualifying spot. So, you know, we, yeah, I'm hoping it'll be a good good game. But that's that's not one of our one to watches, Mike. It's 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 a bit of a done deal, unlike Japan Argentina, in Pool D. Yeah, huge fixture, huge. Fixture. I know. Yeah, you might be more focused on that Pool D. You know, the one that you're going to, but this is where it's all up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Like equally so as well, even more than the Ireland Scotland game, where you know the future of either team is on the line. This one, Japan have the opportunity to qualify for a quarterfinal in back-to-back World Cups, which is would be absolutely incredible for them because they really did not look hot in their, you know, their opening games and, you know, particularly against England. So if they manage to pull together uh, one more victory and upset Argentina, because Argentina are probably the favourites going into this, um. Yeah, it would be. It's, it should be a very, very good game. However, in saying that, I hope you agree with me, Ben. But I reckon Argentina are going to walk away with a, a win here. You know, what? I don't agree with you. What? I. It's a straight shootout as well. Like we, there's no caveats. It's just the winner takes it all. Yeah. And I think from the games I've seen this tournament, I've been more impe- impressed with Japan than I have with Argentina. 
I think Japan have showed more. I love how quick they are, how fast they play. Like, I love it. And, you know, I, I, I want to see him win. I'm, I'm going to back him, whether that's with my head or my heart. I, you know, I'm both. <laughs> Put them in your fantasy team then. Put three of Japan <laughs> Japanese players in your team if you're that confident. Hey, to be fair, I've made a lot of bad calls on fantasy. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I just think I, Japan have looked good in periods, but I think that's the point is in periods. And I think Argentina do have more class, they have more experience, more wisdom, probably not as many. Uh, you know, let's just ignore Michael Leach. But uh, yeah, I just, I think that Michael Checker will have enough within that camp to get them through this last game and get them through to course finals. Mm, yeah, but it'd be a great watch either way. It will. And I think another in our, probably our bonus game for the, for the weekend, yeah. which I think could be absolutely electric is Fiji v Portugal. I know. We've been talking about both of these teams throughout for how exciting they look. Um, it's just going to be great to watch them go head-to-head and hopefully just watch the ball get thrown about. Yeah, that is, that's exactly what will happen because we mentioned this after we saw Wales play against... Uh, Portugal played against Wales, sorry. Um, they have very similar styles. Portugal just want to... They just want to play. They, they don't want to, you know, slow the ball down. They they just have, they play to their strengths and that is what they will do. And Fiji are also going to do the same. Fiji really didn't look that great against Georgia this past weekend. Mm. So if there was a time to beat Fiji, now is the time. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to be thinking about, you know, maybe resting players and, and, you know, they're not, this isn't the game that they're looking forward or looking at going forward so you know yep. you could catch them lacking I mean I think you know the scoreline might be a bit of a foregone conclusion but like, the excitement and the quality of rugby is definitely going to be worth a watch Portugal's mantra in my eyes hasn't been to win games well it has but they've also been trying to win the the nation's hearts and everybody's mm. watching and they have done that and they will absolutely do that again. This is their last game. They're looking for that first win. And, you know, if they get any point, they'll probably overtake uh, Georgia um, and not come bottom of the pool. But, you know, Fiji are also a little bit worried because they need to they need to get one point or no, they'll, yeah, one point at least to qualify for the quarterfinals. So there's a lot to play for here. And again, though Portugal will just want to go out with a bang. Yeah, yeah. So it's worth tuning into for sure. Absolutely. Hopefully, I will. What time does it kick off? It is oh eight o'clock on Sunday night. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, time. It, yeah. That'll be so good. Is that'll be the last game of the pool stages as well before we get into knockouts? So what a way to segue into the knockout phases. Oh, exactly, exactly. And next week, I think we're going to focus on our predictions we made in our mini-series and mm-hmm. how few of those came true. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but until then, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, cheers everyone. Have a good week. <laughs>